Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Persuasion by the Pint. I am Jonathan Taylor, along with Sean McCool. And today, Jonathan, we have a special guest sitting in the green room waiting for us to do our thing and bring him on. Yes, indeed. We have uh, serial entrepreneur Matt Schaup. He's uh, got a couple of books out. He, well, he's got one out, and then he's got one that uh, is on the way. But he is a really cool story. I had him on one of my uh, industry podcasts uh, last week. It was a great interview. Uh, I think you'll love his story, Sean. Uh, he has founded six successful companies and grown them all from the ground up. And uh, what I love wow. about this is like, um, you remember Michael Gerber's E-Myth, you know, the yeah. about working, um, most, uh, most business owners are really, um, they're technicians with an entrepreneur seizure. I think that's the line, if, if I remember correctly, <laughs> yeah. but like they're, they're too busy working inside their business. Um, and, and he is a prime example of someone who has really learned how to work on the outside of the business all to the point of just literally firing himself from his own company. Um, and he's going to tell us about that. So I'm really happy to have him on. He, uh, he is the founder of a painting company, m and &E Painting, and started this company with $100 to his name, all mm -hmm. while being close to $200,000 in per, having $200,000 in personal debt. Uh, he's grown that company uh, to the point where it produces over $30 million in revenue or has since 2005. Uh, his company that's, was... Yeah. That's almost as good as crypto right there, man. Right. <laughs> almost, yeah. <laughs> almost. It's not quite Dogecoin, but it's close. Uh, his company was named one of the U.S. top workplaces by Inc. Magazine and a winning workplace in 2011 one of Colorado's top 250 private companies and uh, made the Inc. 5000 list uh, back when, uh, like five years into it, I think, uh, fastest growing companies in the United States. So he's been featuring a lot of uh, publications like Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur, BBC, Fox, uh, Fox Small Business. And uh, we're happy to have him join us for, as we said, you know, a little bit of just persuasion talking uh, just some of the marketing lessons he's actually more of a marketing um that's his specialty marketing and sales yeah. and you'll learn that from talking with him so he's going to give us some well good let's uh let's fire up the audience and bring him on welcome to the show mr matt shop shout shout not shop <laughs> I get a ticker and I get cheers. I Absolutely, love it. everyone up, gets. Guys? Yeah, you get an artificial cheer and a uh, and a ticker. So yeah, but it's uh, the big leagues here on persuasion <laughs> by the pine. Hey, uh, thanks for coming on, spending some time with us. Absolutely happy to be here. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. Good. We, uh, it's a little early for us. We normally we're normally cranking up at uh, you know four three o'clock central, but we we made exception for you. We're doing a little Absolutely. bit early today. But, um, you know, we won't make exceptions on what we like to do at the beginning of the show. Right, Sean? <laughs> yes. So, yeah, my beer's getting warm as we're talking. So let's <laughs> let's dive into the beverages. And uh, Matt, we're going to let you go first as a guest. Tell us what you got and uh, why you picked it. And, and we'll go for it. So I'm, I'm drinking uh, Spanish coffee, actually. Uh, long story short is I lived in Spain 20 years ago as a foreign exchange student fell in love with the country, the culture, the food, the coffee. And every time I've gone back, which has been many times, I'll bring coffee back here to share with friends, family, and, and people that we work with. And that just turned into a, into a passion and then kind of into a cool way to, to give back. So as we've brought this stuff back here, uh, people have wanted to start buying it and we sell it to raise money for a scholarship that we started at my alma mater, Colorado State University. Uh, to send students over to Spain. So I'm really not a beer guy. I'll do, I can't do whiskey at 1230 Colorado time, or I'll be in trouble rest of the day. And uh, I'd be in trouble <laughs> here if I had too much on with you guys, believe me that. So I, I really stick to the coffee. Um, so you're, the day. when you, you say whiskey, are, are you, a, is it a bourbon? Do you, are you a bourbon guy or? Uh... You know, I just like the, I just like the Jack Daniels, okay. you know, either Jack Daniels straight or Jack and Coke, but yeah, just, yeah. I, I can't, I can't bring myself to do it at, at noon. Well, we yeah, understand. Well, we we yeah. understand. There's a lot of people with your problem, and we're trying to get them help. So, <laughs> yeah, we're trying to spread awareness. 
It's okay to drink after anytime after noon on Friday's fine. But all right. Well, um, we'll cheers that up in a second. Jonathan, what do you have over there? Uh, Yeah, I have something. It's kind of a, um, it's kind of just an off the cuff, you know, last minute pickup today where it was a, um, uh, it is a Terrapin uh, from our, uh, from Athens, Georgia, you know, one of our favorite spots on the, uh, on the map. And uh, this is a morning haze, a morning haze. So I am in the afternoon, I'm having a morning haze Imperial so IPA. A, I was going to say it's an IPA. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's got the word haze in it. It's got to be an IPA. So I must so. be, uh, I don't know. I just have this knack for just wanting to torture myself, I guess. And I, I picked this one up and um, it says hazy like Sunday morning. So we shall see. <laughs> I like the tagline. That's cool. I, yep. like, the, I like the reference. Yep. So. All right. Well, while you're pouring that or you got that ready, I've got, uh, I'm going to share with everybody my fluffy nuts. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that is the actual name of the beer, by the way. Oh, wow. That's um, a conversation starter right there. Where did you find that? This is what we've had saloon door on quite a few times. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah Remember they had right. the flying pig delicious right. AF, mm-hmm. um, was one of theirs. They have some crazy beers, saloon they door do. yeah. brewing. This one is fluffy nuts. So it's peanut butter and marshmallow. So there you get the reference to the fluffy Fluffy nuts. Can you imagine that, Matt? A, a beer that's got peanut butter. I mean, what? That's and crazy. marshmallow. And marshmallow. And it's and it's an imperial <laughs> ale, so it's it's not like a stout. You'd expect almost that to be a stout. Yeah. You know, but it's actually an imperial ale. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's what I got. I think it's kind of um, reddish color there. Eight nine point six ABV. Oh so wow! Pretty strong. Yeah. Um, get this show started on a on a high note here. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. So let's cheers them up and then we'll rate them and then we'll, we'll dive into Matt's story. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers guys. I don't have a glass today, so it's, it's out of the can. I feel a little uncomfortable. Oh man. But all right, Matt, we, we kind of know we give a rating of one to five pints. You can use decimals. You can do pie <laughs> if you want, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Points don't really matter, but tell us what you rate your coffee. Uh, I kind of have a feeling where it's going to go, but five Coffee's being the five. best. Yeah, five. It is a five. It's, it's my passion. I, I love it. All right. Five on the show. We don't five. get very many of those. Beautiful. Beautiful. Those are seldom handed out on this show. So Yes. All right, Jonathan, what do you got there for your hazy um, IPA, your favorite? Mm. It's really not bad. It's uh, not as, <clears throat> it's not as uh, pine solish uh, citrusy as I thought. So uh, well, I'm going to give it a. I don't know. I give it a two eight. Two eight's not. Okay. I mean, that's. Did you say it's an imperial IPA? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that two helps. eight. Definitely helps the alcohol yeah. content and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, man, mine is really interesting. Like, I couldn't say that was peanut butter or marshmallow necessarily, but like, it's a very interesting mix of ale. <clears throat> I can tef- definitely taste the ale. It's almost got like a toffee. Mm. taste to it like it's it's actually very very good um i may have to go back and and get more fluffy nuts you know (laughs) so and it's just fun to say where'd you pick this up Uh, at this was at heb the grocery store okay um is there an atb up in colorado matt no we we do not go out no nobody outside no one outside texas no it's a Texas thing. I know we got um, you know Bucky's migrated outside, so you know. I know yeah. who knows. Well, they're coming up here. They're oh, not are too they? far away soon. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah, they're they're taking over the the world. But all right, I give this a four point nine. Mm. I'm not going to go quite five because there's a little Man. aftertaste I don't like. But other than edge. that, it gives you us. Yeah, a little. I'm going to do a, four nine. A small volume applause. There you go, like <laughs> a golf clap. So, yes, very nice, very nice. Oh, wow. That's All impressive. Right. I'll have to look for that. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you a text with the sure, uh, Surely you could get it from, um, I don't know this cause this is brewed here in Texas. So I don't know if they go outside or not. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt, you've suffered enough <laughs> listening to us <laughs> ramble. Have you ever been on a podcast where they talk about where they rate drinks? I mean, this is a first. No. So. This is, this yeah. is first of that first cheers and first ticker. So yeah, and, uh, and you notice the little glass, right? the digital glass clink too. Did yeah, you catch that's that? right. That's right. Everything's no, artificially made on this show. <laughs> yeah, no. we, 
He didn't hear it, Jonathan. Give, give oh, you didn't hear 20. this? Oh, man. There we go. All right. Got see? it. Got yeah. It. <laughs> see, we even got an artificial clink. You know, that, you've heard me talk about. Oh, well, that's a different oops. soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Don't want that one. Those are ads. Show. See, I even yeah. have ads queued up. <laughs> you got ads too? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, no, that's show, for a different though. show, though. I, I'm, uh, I got to delete that out. But no, yeah. it's um, everything is completely artificial. Um, but our guests aren't, so uh, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta jump into the topic here. Now, I had Matt on, like I said, my industry podcast last week. We kind of talked about, you know, we talked more on working on your business and and kind of that eat from an email standpoint. And obviously, I want Matt to share his story. But one thing we didn't dive into is he's an incredible salesperson and a marketing. That's his, that's his thing. That's, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's his superpower. And so I want to spend, Matt, I want to spend some time, obviously having you share your origin story, you know, your history, the history of the company, but then I want to a little bit different than what we did last week, kind of get into what you did, you know, how you positioned yourself and how you grew that business to the level that it's at today. Because I mean, I get that from you, just from us talking that, you know, sales and marketing, that's your, that is your forte. So that's what I want to spend some time on today. Love it. Yeah. Happy, happy to share the story. I'm uh, originally from New Jersey and my family and I, we moved out here right before my 10th birthday. And uh, my, my origin story as a business owner starts as asking mom and dad for $200 to buy a boom box. And they're like, Nope, we're not going to give you money. Figure, figure it out yourself. Go find a way to make your own money. And I was making, I think, $4 a week to cut their grass. And I said, well, I know how to cut grass. There's the lawnmower. Asked if I could borrow it. And I just I pushed that sucker down the street, knocked on a little old lady's door, like three doors down from me, and said, hey, I'm Matt. Can I cut your grass for like 20 bucks? Sound good? And she said, yeah, go, go cut my grass. And that was, that was the beginning of, um, of business for me. And um, you know, I, was not, I was not the popular kid growing up. I didn't play sports. Um, you know, I had, uh, buck teeth and headgear like, uh, Cartman's sister. So I, I experienced a lot of bullying and, mm-hmm. um, you know, not, not a lot of acceptance, right. In social circles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, when that lady says yes, that mm-hmm. like, business was acceptance for me, it was a part of my identity and my confidence and, um, and I was good at it. So I just kept going down the street, knocking on doors and mowing sure. lawns and I made, you know, a couple hundred bucks plus a little more to uh, buy the boom box. And I just saw at an early age that you can go out, set a goal, accomplish something, keep it really simple. And, and that was my introduction to, um, to business. And um, growing up, I then worked some hourly jobs coming up through middle school and high school, but I was always hustling something. So lawns, shoveling snow in the winter, uh, candy bars out of the, the middle school locker, they suspended me for that. So it wasn't, wasn't competing, I was competing with the school store. And yeah. um, that was, you know, that was always my thing. That was kind of my gig. And it's what, what inspired and, and motivated me where I really came back to business though, was my, my freshman year at uh, Colorado state university. So we live about an hour North of Denver here in Loveland, Colorado, graduated high school in 99 and then uh, went up to CSU immediately after and a gentleman came into an 8 a.m. biology class my uh, freshman year of college. And I didn't, I didn't always make it to the, to the 8 a.m.s, but I was there that day. And he stands up in front of 400 kids and says, hey, you know, I made 20 grand uh, running a business this summer. So do you want to work with somebody else's money and learn about marketing, sales? I mean, all the things that I was, uh, that I was excited about. He said, fill out a little card. I filled it out and got uh, recruited to work with a college painting company. So they're a national company and they really, they, they showed you how to go out and generate business pretty quickly, you know, knocking on doors, beating the street and um, worked with them for all four years of college and, um, you know, made over six figures over those four years. And I just share that to say that I spent three times what I made. So really no financial upbringing, no financial education in terms of just how money works, the basics of it. Um, I had it, I'd spend it. And then, you know, apparently you could spend more than you had and that's what everybody did. So I graduate, uh, 2003, six figures in debt. And I don't like painting. I still don't to this day. And I said, you know, this painting thing was cool for college, but I'm going to go jump into a a more sexy business, right. Is, is kind of how I uh, described it. And a buddy of mine was doing mortgages right back in 2003, four, five, and he was making a lot of money. I was pretty motivated by 
my money still. And I decided to jump into that business and not, not too far into it. Um, you know, I remember one day, um, very, very vividly, these guys are making us do 200 phone calls a day, you know, and the things we were saying to people, the things we were putting in front of people, I started asking questions about. And he said, Hey, do you want to ask questions or make money? And if you want to ask questions, this, this isn't for you. So what they were doing back then wasn't super legitimate. Mm-hmm. And um, I went from that to a more conservative bank and uh, March of 2005, I'm working with a, with a button up shirt and a suit and a tie walking into this bank. And it's just the most boring thing ever. The most awful thing. I'm hating life. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be there. Like, I just, I just want to go knock on some doors and sell something, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah. So I'm plotting my escape. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to leave this bank, but I'm, I'm making $2,800 a month. My bills, $2,800 a month. And I mean, I was, I was in that, in that trap, the, the nine to five. And um, I walk into the bank one day and the new bank president branch manager uh, calls me into his office and he's, you know, he doesn't even let me sit down. I, I walk in and he's like, Oh, this will just take a minute. Just hang out there, go get all your shit, put it in a box and you're, you're fired. And, um, yeah, left that, a huge impression, yeah. right? <laughs> like nice, nice to meet you too. Like I hadn't even met this guy right. Chad yet. Wow. So I'm standing there looking at him, go back into my office and literally put all of my professional belongings in a, in a banker's box. Yeah. And I gave the two finger salute to Chad. I, you know, walked out the front door and, and like that moment, I really remember this moment. I'm standing there on the curb right outside the, the banking office and I'm super pissed off. Like I'm pissed off. Right. I was, I was rejected. I have no more money coming in. I'm recently married. We had an upside down over leveraged condo, all this debt. And I'm supposed to be the breadwinner, right? Like Emily, my wife, she's making $9 an hour at an adult respite care facility, you know, for 18 hours a week. That's not going to cut it. And before I step into the parking lot, I I just remember ripping this tie off and and just tossing it to the side. I'm like, I'm never going to wear a tie again. And I'm never going to work for anybody again. And, And I took that step into the parking lot. And that, like, that was my final step into entrepreneurship. It was my, it was my first step. Um, but I, but I've never gone back. And from there, our painting company, we launched it with the last hundred bucks that I had to spare. Mm -hmm. And I'd say if I could have done it with 75, I would have done it with 75. Sure. That was the minimum balance to open a bank account. And, um, from there I, I determined there was one thing that I knew I could do to consistently generate leads. Mm -hmm. And I went out and I did that. 20 to 30 hours a week, I knocked on doors and um, we knocked out about a half million in top line revenue Wow! With, from, from like mid March to the end of the painting season, which is end of October. So I just went out there and um, I was like, screw you, Chad. Yeah. <laughs> Put all my stuff in a box yeah. and it just got to work. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the origin story. And from there, so many other amazing opportunities have presented themselves and, and a lot of things have come together in a really cool way. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I have a, I don't, like I said, I, I didn't grow the business, didn't want to grow a business, didn't really know anything about it, but I started a handyman business. Similar thing. I was in a say, I was selling swimming pools, above ground swimming pools. And these people were just taking people to the cleaners, like, you know, charging 20 grand for a $5,000 above ground pool. Just, I didn't know that going in, but as I started you know, as you start selling, you're like, Oh, wait a second. Same thing. I start asking questions. They're like, yeah, this is, that's how we do it. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, not gonna, but anyway, so I, I quit, didn't have any money. And with 26 bucks, I started a handyman business. And my first gig was a painting gig, yep. uh, made like a thousand bucks. And I was like, well, just rinse and repeat this. And mm-hmm. you know, I stuck, I didn't do door knocking, but I stuck flyers. I'd been studying copywriting. So I stuck flyers that I'd written in mailboxes. And every time I did that, I got calls. Like it's just, yeah. you know, it's amazing. So I'm curious to see where this goes. So Jonathan kind of teased me on the story, but I'm curious, what was your, since we're talking about persuasion and sales and marketing stuff, what was your basic pitch? Like yes. what, what, what secrets or whatever did you have for pitch? Cause obviously if you generated that much, you had something going on with your pitch that was working. Yeah. And, and it's really interesting you ask because we're talking, you know, 2005, what my pitch is to literally an hour ago, I'm, I'm knocking on doors in the neighborhood with kind of a different pitch and a different angle. So, so I'll share how yeah. that's, how the businesses have grown and, and how we approach business now. But I mean, I had, I had no option, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I needed to make $2,800 in 28 days. 
Right. So I came home. I told Emily, Hey, I got fired. We'll talk about this later. And, um, I <laughs> make this money. And she, she said, I believe in you. She's like, you go do what you got to do. Huge. And that's uh, huge part right there. Yeah. yeah, no. And, and that, and that's the key. I mean, without, without that, I, I don't think, well, I know the company would not have sure. thrived, survived, yeah. driven, driven forward. And, um, she just, she just had this belief in me. So right. uh, my pitch was simply a knock on the door. They open the door. Hey, I'm, I'm Matt. I'm going to be painting some houses in the neighborhood this summer. Your house looks like it needs to be painted. So do all the other ones. Can I come give you an estimate? It was, it was, I'm, I'm a very direct person. Um, it was a very direct, very assumptive. I was, I was pointing things out that I knew they needed. Um, but then I realized, you know, for example, I was, I was too close when they opened the door. So when I started stepping back and down yeah. a step, so they were above me, I was below them. Sure. I was looking up to them. There's, there's a little bit of that kind of that, that, that those oh, micro adjustments. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then people I started, hate to be crowded at their door. Like it yeah. feels very yeah, threatening. I was, I was right there and they're like, whoa, whoa, what, what are you doing here? Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then I started adding, Hey, you know, my name's Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got laid off from a bank and I painted in college. So I, so then I started interjecting, not the woe is me, right. but, but I wanted to let people know what was on the line, you know, give them an idea of what wow. that's, that's going to be. That's, supporting. that's cool. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. You say that my fly, my first flyer that I did for the handyman business, I had a similar line. I was like, I'm a hardworking American, um, you know, kid looking to, to, you know, provide for my family. Don't smoke, don't drink. Cause I'd been in construction. So I knew the typical handyman smelled like smoke, yep. didn't show up on time. So I covered those objections, but yeah, having yep. that little micro story right there, you know, I'm mad. I just got fired. And Oh yeah. You know, Cause I mean, I used to pay in college that that's, I was, I was teaching a class last week or week before last about how to do these like little micro stories like that and how powerful they are. And people think stories have to be like five minutes long and just like you did, like, you know, six or seven words is all you need. And, and one thing that the, the door knocking industry, it's, it's invasive, right? And if you think of marketing in general, whatever your message is, you're literally interrupting a conversation or somebody's intention that they had on or with something or somebody. So I would always say, even if they said, you know, screw you, get off my doorstep. I'm going to sick my dog on you. I I always ended, Hey, thanks for letting me stop by. (laughs) So just that, that was always kind of the nice closure um, to the conversation. But when I landed my first job, then it went from, Hey, I'm Matt. I just got fired. I'm going to be painting houses in the neighborhood. It's I'm going to paint Phil and Tracy's house and then Phil and Tracy's neighbor, Bob, I'm painting for Phil and Tracy and Bob and Cindy. Social proof right there. And and then from there you, you start adding that you get the social proof and the confidence. And um, yeah, I'm amazed Matt, how many companies that are in the like door to door business, you know, lawn care, painting, never do that. Like never talk to the neighbors. Like I can't tell you how many times a, you know, lawn care truck comes up and down the road does oh, I know. one lawn and then moves on yep. and then the next and the next company it's like you could do a whole day's worth of work in this one neighborhood if you just gobbled up the street and own the street you know right yeah one it's, thing is crazy now with um because because we launched uh, into the roofing side of things and roofing is a super interesting business with door knockers especially after a hailstorm but what we do now is when we have a job we go put a little sticky note on you know two three doors on either side five or six across the street that says hey uh, we're working in the neighborhood. If any of our trash or anything blows over into your yard, if yes. our trucks are parked where they shouldn't be, the music's too loud. If we're doing anything to disturb, you just call us. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, you know, we came on all the houses, no soliciting, whatever. Um, a lady calls from a, from a no soliciting house. She has one of those signs and she says, Hey, um, I've never been, she opened her message with, I've never been solicited this way before. So we're like, Oh no. What's she going to say? And then it says, you know, this was the kindest, most considerate thing that wow. that I've seen in a really long time. Thank you guys for sure. sticking this on my door. So, yeah, yeah that's you, brilliant. It's so simple. Just, I mean, just oh, yeah. common courtesy, Absolutely. you know, and I bet you get, do you know what percentage of people, of those people convert to business without you even really like just, yeah. I, I'd say we get, if we put eight stickies on a job, three jobs, you get 25 of those things out. We'll get two or three calls. Yeah. Whether they're, Hey, just thanks for stopping it by, or we need something down the road. I mean, they definitely convert. Yeah. Are those pre-printed? Are those already printed up that you, are they just kind of writing out on a sticky sheet and putting up? 
Uh, no, it's a pre-printed little sticky. So they're okay. like a, a little sticky notepad. And then it just has a place where our project manager, sales rep, That's whoever great. it is, they just write their name and their cell phone number on it. Yeah. I love that. And we didn't yeah. come up with that. We, we ripped that off. It's R&D, right? Rip off and, and duplicate. It was uh, yeah. another, I think the roofer left one on my door <laughs> five, six years ago. Yeah. We used to call that the cloverleafing method. Like, sure. Because the stem is the house you're working on and then you cloverleaf yeah. around. Around. Yeah. See all the other ones. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. You know, I love the, I love the, you know, the, the fact that you were so kind of open with people like, Hey, I just got laid off. And Mm -hmm. the reason I think about that, you know, Sean and I were talking last week on our podcast, uh, you know, there, there was a book we were mentioning called the science of storytelling. And Mm -hmm. in the book, it talks about, uh, you know, what may, what goes into a great story, like what most people find attractive to a really good story and it's that usually, you know, one of the common themes themes is a, it's kind of a, you know, you're up against the odds, you know, kind of mm-hmm. one of those underdog stories and yep. people always root for those underdogs, man. They mm-hmm. are always rooting for our underdogs. So I think that was good on your part. I mean, and you were completely being honest, but people, you know, people really feel for those who are, you know, transitioning you know, you got laid off, but you're like, you know what? I'm going to prove this. I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to go out there and make this happen. Yeah. And people and get behind those people. Yeah. You know? Well, then we're sitting here 18 years later, looking back on this. And I don't think I thought about it that deeply creatively at all. I was just, <laughs> you were just like, I got to do I something. Do. <laughs> no, I had a lot to prove. And um, yeah, yeah. I think just with, with the background I came from too, yeah. Like I'm going to go be a millionaire as fast right. as possible. We're going right. to build a million dollar business, and and that was the drive. So yeah, I I don't think I was thinking about the deep um, rooting of of an origin story. I was right. just like, okay, let's add that I got fired and press this on the, <laughs> yeah. on the next twenty, and it's then a, yeah. um, you know, eight a.m. Saturday morning, eight a.m. estimates. I'd always bring donuts, and oh, I'd always yeah. get those. That's great. And, um, that was, you know, just stuff, just stuff like that. It was fun. It was, uh, it's like a science experiment, you know, mm-hmm. just every, every time you make a little tweak and adjustment, control everything else. I'm and, telling you, man, you bring a, 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 you know, a, you bring a pack of donuts with you to my door and I'm not saying no to that. I don't know. Right, I man. mean, I love yeah. donuts. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so you said, Matt, that, um, the pitch has changed a little bit because consumer, uh, you didn't say exactly why, but tell us like the difference in what you're having your guys do now yeah. or that's so, different. Yeah. So we move, so we still knock doors and, and mm-hmm. we still do the, Hey, we're working in the neighborhood or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm Matt, Kevin, Jim. Now we have a, a team of, of guys and gals that are out there. So we have that kind of the original pitch, but we had a, we had a really big, uh, realization in the roofing business. So, um, we've been running insurance claims since like 2008. There's a big tornado here in Windsor and um, we were working, learning the insurance claim process on the painting side. And then we're sending our roofing to roofers. Right. And, um, you know, anytime there was a hailstorm, literally the hail stops at 8 PM. They're there at 8 30 PM knocking on doors early the next morning. I mean, it is like vultures coming out to sure. just scrape every piece of meat off of every, it, and it's crazy out there. So, we launched our roofing division three years ago. It was about six months after a really big hailstorm. So we did not until about two weeks ago um, ever have the, the pleasure, maybe we'll call it that, of um, going out there into this space after a hailstorm. So town of Wellington gets hit with hail. We go out the next day. There's 20 roofers out there. You know, they're knocking each other's ladders off of houses. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, I, and I'm knocking on doors, right? Hey, I'm Matt. Mm. we're painting we've been around for years it's our roofing division and people were just like dude get get off my doorstep sure i'm gonna kill you you're the 30th person here they they were not having it so it's really discouraging so we go back to the office and um you know i think back to mike mccallowick's book i think you guys are gonna have, have yeah, him on yeah. the show yeah uh, looking get, forward to get it. different yeah he says what is the industry doing everybody's knocking on doors and pressuring people and harassing people mm-hmm. um let's do something different and i said hey let's go to the coffee shop across the street and buy coffee for all the neighbors for like the next eight weeks. And we're going to start on Friday. So we went to a, a Ziggy's coffee shop, uh, eight to 10 AM on Friday. We set up there and we just gave them our credit card, opened up the tab and then went and knocked on doors. And uh, my pitch went from, Hey, I'm another roofer trying to get on your roof and take your insurance claim and blah, blah, <laughs> upgrade your shingles, right? The same, same crap. 
to, hey, I'm Matt. I'm another roofer. Not here to talk about your roof, though. And they go, what? So I'm a roofer, <laughs> but I'm not here to talk about your roof. So they all do this. Yeah. They lean back going, what is going on? Yeah. Just wanted to let you know uh, we're buying coffee for all the neighbors for the next two hours. And we'll be here for the next two months doing that on Fridays. Come on down. And wow. they, they're like, they're waiting for something else. Like, you know, we're, we're waiting to be sold, right? You hear a good hook yeah, today, yeah. right? You're waiting for the punchline. You're waiting for the sure. solution and call to action. Hey, we just, we just want to do something nice and different for the community. Mm-hmm. And then here's where the numbers come in. They, they say to me, well, can you get on my roof and look at it? Oh, you don't have a roofer yet? I figured you did because 30 of them knocked on your door. Right. And they're like, no, we don't want to talk to those guys. That's crazy. So, you know, we let all the roofers fight for the initial, the, the initial customer that doesn't really understand what's going on when a roofer knocks on their door. They can right. all fight for that. And we're moving into that sweet spot right here. And I mean, we're sitting with great an open pipe of about a half million dollars of work right now from three weeks of buying coffee for people. That's so great. You know, yeah. it goes yeah. again. I remember the quote, the famous quote, people love to buy, but they hate to be sold to, mm-hmm. you know, people hate to be sold yeah. to. And, and so that's, it's a great takeaway. You know, just that story alone. Quit yeah. selling to people, you know. Yeah, yeah. Give them something, and mm-hmm. yeah, give them value. That's the whole reciprocity, right? Then people, you do a favor for them, then they want to give back. They feel obligated to give right. back in a way. Yeah, good, good stuff there. All right, where do we go next, Jonathan? Your no, I mean it's it's uh, it's amazing how you know you've created. I talked. I think you know one of the things we talked about last week is just kind of you know, not just from a door to door sales, you know, sales point, you know, talking to people directly, but just from a marketing standpoint, I I love the story and and you might, you can even share this if you want, but you know, Matt, when he kind of uh, made the decision to, you know, on his painting business to kind of work, you know, outside of the business, take step away. He's all about creating systems within that, you know, putting the right people in place. Uh, but just announcing that, you know, announcing that, putting out a, a press release, announcing it on social media that I got, I got let go by my company, you know, oh, yeah. created a little oh, bit yeah. of uh, like curiosity, you know, people like want to know what's going on there. Um, I mean, share that story. Cause I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And, and thinking back to what you guys opened with is, um, you know, m- me or any business owner where your gifting is sales and marketing, right? Yeah. Like your gifting is what's going to take that part of the business to a certain point. Mm-hmm. But then you hit a ceiling. There's only so much you can do. And I started realizing three, four, five years into the business as I'm bringing in other people to to train them that, you know, I wasn't leading very well. I was just like, hey, watch me go sell and market. And I hope you can keep up with me. Right. Kind of a thing. So as I'm learning uh, how to develop leaders and develop people and train people you know, sales and marketing wise. I'm like, listen, my company is only going to grow and scale to the, the degree that I do. I'm not great at leadership and I literally need to get out of everybody's way. I had built the company up, I'd say by 2011, 12 to like a, a really solid team of people, but I'd hire them, give them a role, right? Give them the rope to, to, um, <laughs> Dang, and have some space to do it. And then I, <laughs> I the rope, pull it back because I'm a control freak. So I, I got checked into the boards pretty hard by, by a mentor. He said, Matt, you know, you're so good at what you do. You're not giving people the yeah. space to go be great at what they're great at and let <laughs> them fail and be okay with it. He's like, you need to get the hell out. Like you need to fire yourself and you need to make it so clear uh, and draw that line to to when and where you do that. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the beginning of, of really journeying into let, letting other people run the company and grow the company. Um, cause, cause if not, I'm just self-employed, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like, you're, yeah. you're basically, it's like the guy that buys a subway franchise and makes sandwiches, you know, it's like, yes. that's, you know, you don't own a business. You basically own a job and yeah, Um, so I love that story, but you know, you got a little, you know, you got a little PR out of that. And I think that was that that's cool. How you kind of use that when you decided to step away to, uh, you know, to really, you know, get in the, in the same process uh, announced to everybody. And it's kind of that commitment and consistency, you know, you basically by doing thing, you know, by doing something like that, it kind of influences even yourself to like, follow through with you, with what you've committed to, you know, I'm stepping away. So I'm announcing it, putting it out there for everyone to see. 
but you also kind of turned it around. I mean, you also got a little, you know, a little play from that. You know, you were able to kind of cachet yep. that into a little uh, PR on the back end and get some get some recognition. So, oh, when I when I made that post, I mean, people they thought <laughs> they're like, "What's happening? Are you sick? Are you are you moving to Spain?" And we actually um, two two years after that, we spent the summer in Spain. Mm-hmm. That was like the ultimate test where I I moved. We moved away for eight mm-hmm. weeks and turned everything off. But yeah, no, it definitely got, it caught people's attention. It it got them talking and still have people to this day. They think they're like, didn't you sell that (laughs) seven, eight years ago? I'm like, no, no, I'm still here. So So how was, I'm curious, like, was there a plateau when you handed over? Was, did the growth take off because people were able to do their thing? Like kind of what happened to the business once you stepped away? I think that's it's interesting. And this is, and this is where it's really hard. I think for, you know, the, the type a control freak, high performing, producing sales and marketing guys is, you know, it was that, um, all right, you guys are great. I'm going to, going to send you off. And I'm like the grandpa and you're the grandchildren. I'm just going to mentor you from afar. And then sales go, you know, when I, I realized how much I, I carried mm-hmm. everything, like how much I was, but, but my sales guys were selling, you know, X amount per year. And it's like, no, I was swooping in on these deals and making sure they were getting closed. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't letting my salespeople sell. So, so there was actually a dip. And then my initial reaction, I think a lot of business owners would be is, man, I've got to, got to come back in and save the day. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, superhero syndrome. We got to yep. fly in yep. and yep. Save, save everybody and wreck everything else in its path. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what happened though over the years is I just, I stepped back. You, you let them fail, you train them, uh, started sending, you know, my team to sales courses and sales trainings. And it's funny now, um, I'm locked out of my own CRM. So like we're running, we're running a lot of roof stuff right now. And I love the creative idea behind this big marketing campaign, but I can't even get into the CRM to, right. to work anything. Else. Right. And the guys sell better than me. I mean, we're at a point now to where sure. if, you know, I am more confident in my team's ability to sell than mine and being, um, you know, self-proclaimed pretty darn good salesperson. That's, that's a big, a big thing to say. How do you train? Well, you know, I know you're away from it now, but how does your, you know, sales and marketing team, how do they train your people? Do you have, um, obviously you, you said you mentioned CRM, which is Mm -hmm. uh, obviously a great tool for tracking, but I mean, you mentioned, you know, obviously it's so important for any business to implement systems within their company. Um, are some of those systems, do you have scripts? I mean, you, you know, you talked about the kind of the, you know, how you frame it when you go door to door, Mm -hmm. you guys use scripts, uh, or do you, do you train your salespeople, your people that are out there in the, you know, with the public to use, you know, Mm -hmm. what to say, you know, when to say it, um, you know, what to bring to the table. We, we do. Uh, so I'd say, I'd say yes and no. So I'd like to think of it more as a, as a, as a framework or okay. call it, you know, 15 things that have to happen to drive you down the, the football field of, of sales, but we don't have a, um, ABC closing script where everybody sure. says the same exact thing, but we say, listen, you've, you've got to call your appointment before you show up to it to confirm it. If you're running a minute late, let them know you're running five minutes late and then show up early, but you're still late. Right. Things like that. So all of these different, but do it in your own way. You know, Kevin's going to do it different than Jim, who's going to do it different than, than mm-hmm. Steven. So we want everybody to have their own uniqueness, let their personality, their passions, who they are as people play into this framework. But you know, if, if I try to get Kevin to recite this script where he's just like, this is brutal. I'm not, I don't ever say this. I don't talk like this. This isn't me. Yes. It's, it's not going to work. And, you know, being out in the, in the roofing, uh, the, the roofing, um, battle, the couple of weeks ago after that hailstorm, you're listening to all the same scripts all, all the time. So, you know, I'm more of a, you know, ask for the business, follow the steps, follow the process, but do it in your own unique way. Sure. And, and, it, now, and it works for them. Yeah. And everybody has their own, their own success stories with their own approaches. Mm-hmm. I love that about the, uh, calling, if you're going to be late, my dad taught me that when we had, <laughs> we were building sunrooms and stuff. And that was one of his, he would do it almost every time. Like he would just, he'd call 15 minutes before and say, Hey, I'm running a little bit late coming from another appointment, whether he was or not <laughs> to kind of let people yeah. know he's busy. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. There's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he'd, he'd get there like right on time, mm-hmm. you know, even though he said he was going to be late. <laughs> And people were like, oh, wow, thank you for calling. Nobody ever calls when they're going to be late. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. Those little things, especially in, in the construction industry. Sure. 
Yeah. It's such a problem that if you just show up on time, half you'll, you'll get half the business just for showing up, if not more. Yeah. We, we, we joke, but it's true. It's a stereo, like, it's not a stereotype if it's true, but I, I tell these guys, I go, if you show up on time and do what you say you're going to do and, and don't be drunk, and look <laughs> it's and very simple. Don't show up liquor. Do those, do those. Well, but you, and, and they, they laugh, they go, really, this is the business we're getting into. I say, yeah, ask the people, the, the homeowners to get three, four quotes. How mm-hmm. many people were on time, did what they said, followed up and weren't looking like they're under the influence. Like, don't scare the wife. You know, don't, don't have the wife be the first thing she does is go and hide her kids and hide her purse. <laughs> when yeah, and it's and it's true. You know, we yeah. um we we are business owners that that happen to do so painting, sure. and that is very different from I'm a fourth generation painter. It's like yeah, you know, you should clean your truck, um, <laughs> should exactly clean right. yourself up. Yeah, um, don't go don't go knock everybody. You know, present present why you're great. <clears throat> you know, one thing that we that we were talking about though, and I wanted to make the point for your listeners is um you know all of these little micro things that you know that I ask my team to do. The common theme is that on step one, you're going to promise something to somebody that takes them to step two. Then you're going to execute on that promise, reminding them that you just did what you promised. Mm-hmm. So you, uh, you present, you present your estimate yeah. and they're not ready to schedule right away. Mm-hmm. Well, Hey, when can I call you back? Right. That's the callback that we talk about. When can I call you back right. Thursday at three? Okay. I promise I'll call you back Thursday at three. Sure. Put it in your calendar. Right. Thursday at three. Hey, Mrs. Jones. Um, it's Matt. I promised I'd call you back. So you're literally, you're making a you're, promise. Yeah. You're reminding yeah. them. Uh, that yep. you just kept your promise. Yeah, that's brilliant. And, that's good. And they're and that's you know implanting both consciously yeah. and subconsciously mm-hmm. that you're able to be to be trusted and you do what you say. And um, even outside of the trades, you know, I'm in real estate mm-hmm. as well. I have a real estate license. We have a uh, jujitsu school here. We do a number of different things in different industries, and yeah. it's not much different in some of like a professional real estate. You know, you guys are making ten, twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars on a house, and you can't show up on time or call somebody back. Right. Yeah. That happens there too. Yep. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, um, can we shift gears a little bit? I want to talk about, can we talk about your upcoming book? Yeah. Love to. Yeah. Cool. So let me just throw it up on the screen here real quick. When's it coming out? First of all, you know, I'm going to be wrapped up with it, uh, end of this year, but I think we're going to launch in January. We just want to wait till after the holidays and mm-hmm. launch it right at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So cool. The, the, book title tell everybody not everybody can not everybody watches on video so tell everybody what the title of the book is and and then uh i'd love to hear that story as well oh, uh, i won't give it too much away <laughs> the, the title of the book is painted baby and the subtitle is connect with clients through brave and vulnerable storytelling and i and assume there's, there's the, a, a story behind the title absolutely absolutely is <laughs> and uh so the, the premise of the book is this, right? We're talking about, you know, our pitch and our promise and calls to action and, and yeah. everything. But, you know, we live in a society where we are consistently conditioned to show up as perfect, A plus, five star, mm-hmm. right? You know, you think about, think about your pitch, your letter, whatever it is that, that you right. wrote, you know, you, you're in the construction business. Here's everything that the, the competition does that sucks and yeah. frustrates. Here's why I'm amazing. Here's why I'm awesome. And we create these shiny marketing brochures. Now, you know, we're in, we didn't have social media 20 years ago when I started this, but scroll through social media, everybody's perfect, perfect life, perfect life, perfect business, perfect vacation. And and none of it's true. Like, like none of it's true, but we set this story up like it is. So, um, painted, the actual painted baby story starts with another story is it's, uh, 2011. And I'm actually sitting across the table in the office of a really now good friend of mine who was a repeat client of ours. And we did multiple three to $4,000 paint jobs for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name's Bill, very self-made guy, lives in a beautiful big mansion on the golf course. And I'm sitting across from him getting ready to close the biggest deal of our company's life. It's a, it's a 60000 possibly $70,000 job, depending on what options he goes with. So I'm, you know, buttoned up. I've got my marketing brochure, my proposal. I walk in there, sit down, got my, you know, I've got my closing, my closing pen, (laughs) every full sales, you know, and sit down with them, present, present everything and uh, push it across the table. I give them the either, or, Hey, would you like to do the one coat or the two coats? And he pushes it back and rejects it. Oh. And he's a straight shooter. Like he always says, yes, he always makes a decision and he's like, not ready. Mm. So I'm sitting here. Okay. How can I close him? How can I circle back around? 
handle the objection. Sure. So we back and forth this a couple of times and I'm like, Bill, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. You know, let me just fine. Let me just grab this shiny marketing brochure, right? Here's my you know, $3 and 25 cent, a plus five star better business bureau. And he, he takes this thing and he like throws it across the, the room. And he said, your shiny marketing book is crap. I want to know about a time you screwed up and what you did about it because a screwed anything up. You've never had anything on the line for me or with, and this house is my other million dollar baby. He's like the one you're sitting in. It's my $3 million baby, right? This is my $2 million baby. Sure. And you're about to go up here and and do a really big job. And I'm, I'm short circuited. I'm sitting here. I don't know what to do, what to say to him. And I'm like, you want to know about something we did wrong? He goes, yeah, I've never heard that from you. So told him about the time we painted the wrong color on a house. Not a big deal. Then we actually, um, I told him about the time we painted the wrong house. So we had the right color. We actually went to the wrong house. Um, When I did that though, he engaged, he leaned forward. He wanted to hear, okay, something's on the line. There was some drama. There was was something at, at risk. So I tell him that story. He's still not signing the contract and he, like he knew I had a better story. And I said, Bill, I don't know what else to tell you, but if you, if you really want to hear about the biggest, most massive screw up, we painted a baby once. Like we literally almost killed a customer's baby paint sprayer exploded. Do you want to hear about that? He goes, hell yeah, I want to hear about that. And he leans in like the whole time he was disengaged. His, his arms were folded. He's, yeah. he's, he's rejecting, he's pushing things away. Yeah. So I go to tell him the story of um, shortly after that Windsor tornado, we had five, six jobs lined up on a street. Uh, had a crew, these guys, uh, they were brothers. The names were Bloss and Raul, and they go paint a house in about three days. So we're mm-hmm. working our way down the street. Uh, we get to this job with uh, Mrs. Angelo, and on the last day, they're getting ready to spray paint the doors. So the garage doors, the service doors, big metal doors with black gloss paint. And we use these high-pressure, piston-driven you know, paint sprayers, so it pressurizes mm-hmm. this paint 2,000 PSI through a hose. And, um, you know, Raul's literally standing there at the door, right as customer standing there with her baby, like watching the job, admiring oh. the job. So I'm not on the job site. I'm at the bank 20 minutes away and I get a phone call from him and, um, Raul's kind of a jokester. So once a week he'd call up and, and these guys, they're, they're from Mexico and, uh, English is their second language. Spanish is my second language. So we're Spanglishing and yeah. having fun. He calls once a week, Mateo, Mateo, I spilled, I spilled a paint on the deck. Ha ha ha. So funny. Customer's <laughs> so pissed off. And, and he'd razz me like once a week. Sure. I get this phone call and, um, and I noticed as he's calling that he had called eight times before that. And I missed his call. Oh, I, I pick up and he is hysterical. Mateo, Mateo, you, you gotta come quick. And I hear this baby crying and this woman screaming in the background. Yeah. And, he, he can't get a sentence together. Mateo, the paint and the boom and the baby. I don't know. Come quick. I go, I paint the baby. Mateo, Mateo, I paint the baby. And um, I go, you what? He just says, Mateo, come quick. Hangs up the phone. And I'm 20 minutes away. Zip over to the house. I pull up his brothers at the truck cleaning up drop sheets and, and just black paint everywhere. Black paint trail up the driveway. So I follow it. Come, come around the corner and the homeowner and the baby are gone. Raul's just standing there, just not knowing what to do. And um, there's just paint 40 foot radius from where he was working just everywhere. And, um, you know, lady was standing there with a baby and he was to pull the trigger. The gun jammed and you know, we painted a baby. So that's, that's a bad it day. Blow? It jammed and blew up or. Yeah, so these spray tips, not to get too technical, but the the little key that goes into the gun, it makes the spray pattern. It was just off kilter, and something else was jammed. I don't know if it was a filter. I I don't know, but, I mean, it had never happened. It was a once in, it was painted of thousands of homes. And right when he pulled it, you know, homeowner and little nine-month-old baby is there. So I'm sitting here with Bill telling him this story and he's just, you know, just like you guys laughing, he's crying. He's like, well, what did, what did you do about it? You know, was the baby okay? And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I had shared with him at that point, not realizing it like this, I could say I was honest or that I had integrity or that I would take care of a problem, but how easy is it to do that when you don't have a problem to take care of? So you see something on the line, and I had to figure this out. And, um, you know, the end, the end of the story is like, baby's okay. We come in, we, we check on the customer, we check on the baby. They were super freaked out. But I mean, we ruined thousands of dollars worth of, um, you know, parts of their home, uh, their, their clothes. So, I mean, we had to replace flagstone and, and, and landscaping clothes, sent them out to a nice dinner. But the point was I'm sitting there 
with a client who had trusted me at a small level. Now he needs to trust me at a bigger level. And mm -hmm. I had never been real, been vulnerable and been brave enough to share anything other than a plus five star. Sure. I'm awesome. And he forced me to do it. And then um, when, when the story and the dust settles, he, he grabs the contract, signs it. And I'm like, what, like what just happened? I have no idea what just happened. And all he said was, um, you know, if that's, if that's the worst that's ever been put in front of you and that's how you handled it, mm -hmm. you're the kind of guy I want to do business with because sure. if anything goes down at my job, I, I know you'll take care of it. So from, from there, I went on this journey for the next 12 to 18 months of trying to unpack this and figure this out and experiment with different ways to approach telling my story and interjecting imperfection mm -hmm. in different ways and seeing how people would respond to it. Yeah. That's fascinating. That. Yeah. And I'm curious, like how, what have you kind of come down to, because obviously you don't want to just tell bad story after bad story. That is, that's not exactly no. inspiring no. either. No, like it's, it's, it's gotta be just like a, a dash of, you know, baking soda or something to, sure. Yes. It, it, it can't be the main is. flavor. <laughs> I, I came, I came back to the office and I let everybody know. I said, Hey, we, we closed the big, big mountain job. They go, well, what did you, what, what did you use to close them? I said, I told them about the painted baby. They couldn't believe it. And I said, I'm going to go out and, and try this. So, you know, I just, the, the short thinking was like, Hey, share, share crazy story, get more job. Right. That was my, that was right. my thought. So I go out on my next 10 proposals and I didn't share marketing brochures or anything. I just, I want to, want to hear about painted baby. They said, yeah, we do. Cool. We're not going to hire you. So, so what I've, what I discovered in this process is you, you still come in with the shiny marketing brochure, right? Mm -hmm. It's yes. discovery, yeah. rapport, what are the needs they know they have, the needs they don't realize that they have, the, the, the pains, right? And the way you can solve them and, and you show the features and the benefits, right? It's the whole sales 101, but right before you get to that place where you're going to ask them for the business, the, the differentiator for us, it came down to, Hey, like we've been around, I've, I've shared with you all of my great you know, mm -hmm. and I, I'd tell them this shiny marketing brochure and then I would take, I go, but hold on, let me just tell you why this thing is, is kind of crap for a minute. Right. Um, can I tell you about a time that our company massively screwed up mm -hmm. and painted a baby and what we did about it and every single time they said, absolutely share the story. And then I'd close with, Hey, we share that story because as, as great as things can go and will go 95% of the time, they'll go great. You won't have stuff like this. I want you to know that if we, you know, if we break your flower pot over here or we, something bad goes on, like this is how we'll handle it. And um, that's what makes us different from other companies. And then I'd always challenge them, Hey, were other companies sharing their worst moments or trying yeah, to yeah. Tell, I mean, that's, tell you how bad we were. Right. Cause right? I mean, now you've kind of yeah. put them on the, you know, in the light that they're hiding something, you know, you're, you've been open mm -hmm. and honest and that they're, yeah. there must be hiding something. They don't want you to know. And you've come across as being a little vulnerable along the way, but, but also being just open and honest. Hey, we're not perfect, but you know, I can't tell you Matt, how many times in my sales career, different industries that I've, I've done the same thing you did where it's like, I, I got this objection and I overcame the objection. So then I tried to use that with everybody mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when it was never an issue before it. Like, yeah. you know, you, yeah. you, you yeah. assume, Oh, well that must be everybody's objection. That's why I haven't been closing hundred percent. Yeah. And then you overdo it. Um, so yeah, it's cool. And then you, you start found. creating objections. He goes, well, I was never concerned about that until yeah, exactly. you told me. You're <laughs> exactly. like, oh, no. <laughs> so, it, you know, on, on paper though, what, what painted baby did is it, it raised our, our net closing rate by about 10 to 12%. Mm -hmm. And, and it just, it just made business easier. And what we ended up doing is after I experimented with, with about a hundred sales calls and, and really honed it on the numbers, um, that the, the picture on the cover of that book, that's my daughter. We, we brought my daughter in the <laughs> office. She's Cool. We threw paint all over her and then we got her picture and we put it on bus stops, bus benches, direct mail. So all of our methods and medias that we were marketing with at the time, again, right? $200 coupon, you know, warranty. It's the same, same stuff. We're just like yeah. painted baby. Want to hear the great. story? That's great. And um, I mean, plastered it all over town. And that was actually one of our biggest, you know, biggest marketing campaigns. Sure. Still to this day, people, people talk about it. That's awesome. That was the cheapest mistake you ever made in the business, I guess. <laughs> it, it was. And, you know, I, I tell, I tell business owners, you know, you've got, you've got a dirty little secret and so do I, we're going to talk about it in this book. Sure. And, um, you know, the thesis is right. Like by being vulnerable and owning and admitting our shortcomings and our, and our mistakes, our imperfections, that that actually builds deeper levels of connection and trust. 
Mm -hmm. um, homeowners. So not only did I test it, but I went out and interviewed other, other business owners and listened and heard their painted baby stories and right. uh, what they did about it, how it made their business better. So this book is just a, it's a collection of my stories, other stories, and really tangible, applicable uh, frameworks that businesses can plug into their business today. Sure. And it, it's totally different. You know, it's uh, people, some people will read it and be a little nervous to do it, but um, that's where the magic's always been for me. Try something crazy and, and see oh, what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we have a sim similar idea in, in copywriting called the Achilles heel, where you admit a flaw like that in somewhere in the copy um, for that very, you know, just to overcome that perfect, like, cause everybody gets a little suspicious when it's too perfect. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, so throwing that little bit of vulnerability, vulnerability in definitely works. I mean, yeah. Hey, it made, made Brene Brown famous, right. When she had a nervous breakdown on the, Ted talk stage basically. And oh, yeah. Um, yeah. let everybody know about it. Like that was, yeah. that was her whole launching pad. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's very cool. Man, fascinating that. stuff. Thanks for, thanks for letting me share that. Yeah. No, that's, that's a fun story. I mean, it I, is. I can imagine like your actual, you know, heart rate and everything else <laughs> turning the corner and seeing the black paint up the driveway and like, what happened here? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we literally like once a week, the paint store ships out the wrong color and we're, we're just yeah. used to that. We, sure. we painted the wrong house once though. I gave the crew the, the address with drive at the end instead of court. And, and there was the same address. Yeah. They, they went back to this house. That, that was crazy pulling up to that. But yeah, painted, painted baby. I mean, I've pulled up on a lot of things and, the you know construction remodel trades industry over the past 20 years and that that was by far one of the one of the craziest yeah so did you actually see the baby want the painted or were they like they were gone did no. they go to the hospital or no, something no, or? They, they i mean that paint hit and freak out happens and again i was 20 25 minutes away so by the time i got there um the painters were dealing with the crime scene yeah paint everywhere but mom and baby were in the house getting getting cleaned up okay wow. yeah yeah Man, was that like an oil-based paint or water-based? I'm curious. It was just, it was just water. It was water-based. That's yeah. good. At least it wasn't like an oil paint that they no, still yeah, be trying to get off. <laughs> oh, that, it would still be like, Yeah, it was, uh, it was everywhere, though. It was, it was, oh, like, it was far. That's, that's, oh, that's amazing. That's a great example. But, yeah, don't, yeah. Be, don't be afraid to share your, your mistakes. So, Matt, if you could – so you do a lot of, you know, in-person stuff, like, and a lot of our listeners do online, mm -hmm. you know, as well. What have you learned that you think is kind of a universal principle other than this story, but like, what's, what's one of the biggest things you've learned over your, your career so far in all of the different businesses? If you could give the audience like one takeaway, what would it be? I know that's a big question, but. Are you, are you thinking more so, so just being in the online space or just in general, just. Something just maybe that you do offline that might translate mm -hmm. um, to online that people haven't thought about. So if you know, not, yeah, it's just a general something. Absolutely. As we've, as we've talked about, like all of the different approaches, right. That I've used painting, roofing, real estate, you know, you look at like on online web copy, like I love, I love click funnels. I think it's a great company. I yeah. land on one of these ads, you know, there's a hook grabs my attention. I click on it and then yeah. it's just, it's taking me through my pain. I just have so much pain and I'm <laughs> lacking something in my life or my business. And they're just mm -hmm. drawing it out, right? Like yeah. they're flowing me through, going yep. me through it. And, and I think, you know, in any, in any business, people see that enough and whether they know it or not, they may not be in professional copywriting and, and creative sales yeah. and marketing, but just people are just wait, they're, they're waiting for the pitch. Yeah. They're waiting to be sold. They're waiting to be closed on the way that every other roofer, realtor, painter, gym owner, whatever is doing. So just finding a way to, to hit pause on that yeah. and do it differently. And, 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 you know, maybe everybody in the industry will say I'm crazy, but, um, I don't, I don't, I don't go close them. I don't, I don't do what everybody else is doing. So really whatever, whatever your industry is doing, do something different and find something that works for you that, that you can really own and give that a try and go rep it a hundred, 200, 300 times and, and track the, the results on it. Um, but yeah, I think, even at a subconscious level, it's, it's too good to be true, right? Look at this beautiful, amazing copy. There's got, right. there's got to be a catch though. So owning the imperfections, mm -hmm. yeah. you put your guard down as a business owner, you show that you're human. I think, you know, my experience has been that people respond a lot better at a higher rate 
yeah. and, and trust you and accept you more as a, as a business. Like you're still in business to do business. You, you need to close the deal. You need the call to action. Um, but, but I just feel like we're really missing that, you know, it's too good to be true. Yeah, it is too good to be true. So share where it's too good to be true and, sure. and where you screw sure. things up that puts people at ease. Yeah. Um, another, another tip would be in any business online, offline, whatever it is, is, um, I think we under, under project, right. What do you say? We over project what we can do in a year, but under project what we can do in 10 years. Yeah. Think about the 10 year long game. You know, we're in a, we're in a world where everything is short, quick fix. Amazon will drone it to your door in two hours. Pretty sure. Soon. Yeah. Yeah, like that's not how business works. The, um, some of my biggest successes, Painted Baby, I started writing it in 2015. It's coming out in 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, got to think long game. You've got to be in this for the long haul. Yeah. 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 And it, I was talking to somebody yesterday about this and like, he's a younger guy. He's been very successful so far. Um, and I was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's this weird paradox that like, we're all living longer. We've got far more time than we think we do if we're taking care of ourselves and things like that. But at the same time, everything around us is so hustle and mm-hmm. do it quick and all this stuff. So yeah, I think you have to have that balance of like, yeah. you know, I'm 50. I honestly think with current technology and everything else and just health, I think I can live to 120, like yeah. healthily. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, I've got an entire lifetime plus some left. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to rush, but at the, at the same time, you got to not be complacent. Like that, that back and forth is, is interesting to deal with for sure. Yeah. Um, I think a lot about like you have, you have that one life to live, right? So these business owners, we've got one life to live. I've got to hustle and drive and create yeah. this wealth and this legacy for my grandkids and their grandkids. It's like, yeah, you have one life to live, but don't forget to enjoy the one life you have to enjoy. <laughs> right. So exactly. for, yeah. for me, it is hard to step away. You know, I, I do not celebrate the successes as, as well as I can. It's, it's hard for me to step out and reflect, like we'll hit a big accomplishment and then it's right on to the next thing. Yeah. Somebody said to me a long time ago, Hey, did you, did you just celebrate what you did? Cause like no one will ever do that in their lifetime. And right. you're just on to the next thing that maybe <laughs> yes. no one's going to do in their lifetime. Slow down and chill out and enjoy it. And um, remember why, you know, remember why you're doing this and who you're doing this for. Um, and then my only last tip, and this crosses into, personal, but like business is no different than, than life, right? Like you're, you're a person with a story and you've been through experiences and, and you carry things from those stories that shape you, define you, they give you your beliefs and who you are and what you bring to the table. And um, to the degree that you can explore that and understand, um, you know, where you've had hurts and pains and traumas and you can get through and over those things and show how you've um, accomplished greatness in your life and your story that ultimately translates to business. And the more you can help other people do that sure. to whatever degree they're willing to, um, that our, our team is built a lot around that. It's a lot of people with a lot of stories and um, a lot of power within those stories too. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. What you said about celebrate. I don't know if you've read yet the gap and the gain. No. Yeah. I think you, you'd enjoy that based on that comment. It's it, that's what it talks about is how entrepreneurs don't look at the gain and they only look at the gap. Like mm-hmm. they look at the gap of where they want to go and not the gain of where they just came from. Yeah. And that it's much more fulfilling. If you will look at the gain, you still got to have the gap goal, but sure. But yep. what inspires and really drives satisfaction is, is looking back and saying, Oh, I'd have come a long way. So mm-hmm. it's a great book. Um, yeah. It's co co written with um, Dan Sullivan and I can't remember the Benjamin Hardy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So those two guys put it together. Great book. All right. Well, uh, Matt, how can people find out more about you or where do you want them to follow you? I've been watching your coffee on Instagram. Uh, That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, everything, the hub for everything, it's uh, mattshalp.com. You know, I've got the top right corner that free tools button. I am consistently adding tools, free tools for leadership, business growth, um, small businesses. There's always more things in there. So you can go check that out. All my social media is on there, the coffee, the, the fun stuff on Instagram. And, uh, it's, it's all right there. Cool. I'm going to sign up for some free tools myself and there's your, there's your Instagram with the, I like your little, you, 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 You've been doing that, I think, a hundred episodes now, right? Or tomorrow will be a hundred episodes. Tomorrow or? is my forty-first birthday, and I'm going to be doing my hundredth morning coffee with Matt episode. Nice. Yes. Very nice. Very nice. That's a that's a very that's a cool little thing. Um, I may have to steal that idea for myself. <laughs> take it. No, take it all. Yeah. No secrets. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so yeah, go to Matt uh, Matt Schaup, M A T T S H 
O-U-P.com. Get his free tools and uh, start watching him on Instagram with mm-hmm. the, uh, I can't find the X on this. Go to the no thanks. Yeah. No thanks, yeah. I was looking for the little X in the upper, upper corner. Yeah, and and let's stay in touch, Matt, because we'll uh, we'll have you yeah. back on once the uh, once once the new book is is ready to go. It's uh, it's yeah, launched. We'd love to. Yeah, let you know as as we're getting close to launch time, and yeah, and we'll come back on. Yeah. All right. Sounds great. Well, Jonathan, I'll let you uh, close us out. Yeah. Matt Hill, uh, we'll send you to the uh, green room. We'd love to. Um, we're going to close things out, and then we'll uh, we'll talk to you uh, a little bit on the uh, on the back end. So if you want to hang tight for maybe a couple of minutes in the green room uh, sure. while we uh, wrap things up, we'll uh, we'll talk to you here in a few. So, so that is Matt Schaup. You can find him again at mattschaup.com. We'll post a link and there's mm-hmm. a ton of stuff on there. There's a lot, a lot of good, you know, like you mentioned, free tools, some uh, articles, but he said he got such a great story and uh, Sean, yeah. it's just, it's really cool. Kind of reminds me, I was going to mention, you know, Dan Kennedy going through the, um, you know, some of the stuff that we were talking about last week, his seven figure um, academy thing. Yeah. Um, you know, he talked, he, he just talked about, you know, the, you know, uh, you know, just to Matt's point of just not being showing the perfect side of your business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love Dan, you know, Dan Kenny gave an example, like, well, or he'll, you know, when, you know, his clients would at the time when, when they came out to him for a one-on-one consultation, a meeting, you know, he's got stacks of books all over the place. And, you know, he, he doesn't have everything, scripted and perfectly laid out for the client. So, right. You know, they come in and they see kind of like books everywhere. And then he shuffles off to a filing cabinet, pulls out stuff and he's banging stuff, you know, (laughs) trying to find stuff while they're sitting there. You know, it's, it's it's obviously for a reason, but he learned a long time ago, not to, um, not to present this, you know, perfect, um, you know, this perfect, picture of what, you know, how things go, you know, people responded much better to somebody that necessarily didn't always have it together or had to, was working on the spot, so to speak, you know? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the old Columbo that we talked about before, like (laughs) Columbo, detective Columbo. That's right. You know, he's kind of muddling through, but very intentional at the same time. Absolutely. You know, showing your weakness. So yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. I think that's a great lesson. Be more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's what's working online. It's what's working in person. Sure. Yeah. Um, it can be scary and you don't want to overdo it for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, like we talked about, you still, as Matt said, you still got to go through your positives. Yeah. But, but definitely working that in somewhere in your presentation makes a huge, huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, builds rapport and trust and right. all these things. So, yeah. All right, well, Jonathan, I'll let you take it out. Yeah, to uh, all of our listeners, you find us over at persuasionofotherpint.com. You can find us on all of your platforms, all of the locations where fine podcasts are sold. And uh, we will uh, look forward to seeing you on the next episode. I hope you have a great weekend, and um, we'll see you next time. See you.